Hello, it's Andrew May and welcome to the Strive Stronger podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and we amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. In this Bite Size from episode 24, my university study buddy, Padraig O'Sullivan, Pod and I studied coaching psychology together a couple of years ago, and Pod recalls a study he ran with some of Australia and Asia's most prominent business leaders and the habits they had built that allowed them to stay at the top of their game. Now, I saw this study a number of years ago, and I'd read it and looked at the data and went, oh, that's awesome. And then I went, oh, it's Pod. So I really enjoyed talking to him about this study, and we also give you the guidelines on where you can download this. And it's a really good framework for any emerging leader, or if you've been leading for decades, just to think about all of these behaviors that Pod looked at around leadership habits. So let's uh, flip onto some more individual or some habits. Let's call them leadership micro habits. What are they? When you look at a leader, that's a a best practice habits, because you talk about system structure and processes for an organization. For the individual, that's habits. The word habits is one of my favorite words, which might, might be why you used it. I'm not sure. But a number of years ago, I, I led a research piece, uh, which became known as the Daily Habits of Exceptional Leaders. And in this case, it was sitting in organizations, but it doesn't make a difference if it was large organizations, if it was a startup business, if it was a small uh, business owner. The habits are actually fundamentally the same across all aspects of leadership in all sectors. So I'll talk about this. And so we'll, we'll identify the factors of the habits, but and your listeners to this, I want you to know if you're a small business owner who's looking for growth, and let's distinguish that as opposed to stability, then these habits will be effective irrespective how, how early in your growth phase you are. So what we did was I had a hypothesis that leaders who are seen to be exceptional in the eyes of the people who, who they work with had a series of habits at home, before work, after work, on the weekends, that primed them in such a way that when they turned up at work, they were really good. So that was my hypothesis. And having worked with lots of leaders, I had a hypothesis to what that might be. But there was no research that we could find to actually identify exactly what those habits were. So what I did was I approached an organization called the Leadership Circle, and, and eventually the, the irony is they ended up buying my business out a couple of years later. But I approached them because they have they had a very and still do a very powerful and well-respected leadership assessment tool that was global. And my, my thought was, well, whoever in that database that they have that sits at the top end of the database, as in the 90 percentile are above, that means they are the best leaders out of that whole database. So let's say, so that group of people already identified, i.e., I don't have to spend time trying to figure out who's a great leader. They've already done that. And so what we did, we, we, we set up a study where we, we approached uh, 45 leaders across um, Sydney, Singapore, and parts of Indonesia and Hong Kong. They all were business leaders, as opposed to say HR or coaches, whatever. They had to have been in the role for two plus years, and they had to have a profit and loss responsibility. So true commercial leaders. The organization size varied from, I think the smallest organization was about 25. And the large organization was PricewaterhouseCoopers for Asia Pac. So yeah, lots and lots of people and a range of uh, folks in between. They moved across, I think it was about 10 different sectors. We had 65% women, 35% men. Now that's just an interesting piece, just Mm. as pause there. The most successful, impressive leaders, according to Leadership Circle database, which is a global database, majority are women. That's also my experience, is a majority of women. So 
business owners and business founders, I think we're seeing a really interesting phase in Australia where there's more and more female business founders happening around our country, which I think is fantastic, by the way. That means our future economy is in good hands. But in this particular uh, research, and so it was actually 60-40, not 65-35, it was 60-40 split. So what we ended up doing was we created a study that went over four weeks. We, um, most of them had, had, well, at this stage, they all had smartphones. We were able to set up a, a, an app in their smartphone that prompted them three times a day to, in a, in a very quick process to capture what they've just been doing, i.e. what's the process you have. We did some interviews before the research started. We did some interviews at the end. And then um, we got something like 4,000 pieces of data at the end of it all. And some of it was qualitative, most of it was quantitative. And so then we started looking for patterns. What are these folks doing in the morning? What are they doing at nighttime? What's they doing in the weekends, et cetera? And is there anything coming through? What astounded us was, even though these leaders were different countries, different sectors, the habits were almost identical. Let me walk you through some of those. Well, I'm busting to know. Build up, build up, build up. What are they? So is this time to go for a commercial break and we come back afterwards? Is this <laughs> <laughs> Give us the, is it five, seven, nine, ten? So in, in the morning, these leaders all had the same habit, which was they spent somewhere between seven and nine minutes, right? Again, a short period of time, looking through their diary for the day, looking through the various important meetings and not doing the to-do list. That's the obvious thing. That's what we thought they were doing. They were looking at the meeting going, how do I need to show up in that meeting? I.e., what's my sense of presence I need to have in that meeting? Because so what they had realized over the course of their career was, let's say they went into a nine o'clock meeting and they got really annoyed and they came out of that meeting and went into the 10 o'clock meeting and came out and then 11 o'clock meeting, they were still annoyed. The people in the 11 o'clock meeting had no idea what happened in the nine o'clock meeting. All they knew was our leader, Andrew, was really, really angry. We have no idea what's going on. Oh, right. So they had to realize that was a normal pattern for them. So they preempted throughout the day, first thing in the morning, how do I need to be in each of these meetings? And most of them wrote down a single word, strategic, focused, compassionate, listening, whatever the word was. So when they walked from one meeting into another one, they were now grounding themselves with, okay, in this meeting, I've already planned, I need to be X. What is that? That's I wish first. I knew about this research when we wrote MatchFit about 18 months ago. That's exactly a performance moment where you sit down and look at what are the big moments in the day and how do you want to show up? Love it. Really key thing. Second thing was they looked, they really uh, were obsessed about their diary. And I use the word obsessed as in they were crystal clear. Here are my, my objectives for my um, short-term, medium-term, long, longer-term typically is one to five years, depending on the organization. Some organizations have a shorter, long-term the manufacturing type organizations were much longer. But my short term is typically this week and this month. Medium term typically was quarterly uh, up to up to a year. And then long term was uh, longer than that. So the other half of the morning was looking at my short to medium objectives. What do I need to do today to move them forward? As in, I need to make sure my diary reflects those. These leaders were obsessed with not going to meetings where their presence was not ultimately needed. So they were obsessed with looking at every single limitation and not just accepting it. I'll come back to that in a few minutes because that's a really key thing. The third, the third thing was, which, well, we, this is astounded us, every single meeting they had was either 10 minutes long, 25 minutes long, or 50 minutes long. This is across a whole spectrum of leaders from different organizations. Why is that? Because they had recognized that I can't finish one meeting at 11 o'clock and start my next one at 11 o'clock. There no monochrome sea of gray back to back to back where you have attention residue at 3 p.m. you're still on the 11 a.m. meeting because you haven't had any downtime in between. 
exactly right. Now, what does that tell us? They're obsessed with how they manage themselves because what they had understood over the course of the years, and we're talking about high school principals to the managing consultant Asia Pack for PricewaterhouseCoopers, dramatically different roles. They had realized was, if I'm the leader, I am the core vessel for leadership. Therefore, how do I optimize me? And that is the, I think is a really interesting thing, right? The fourth thing that they did every single morning, which goes back to the notion of, of meetings was they refused or they made sure, whichever one came first, any meeting that they were going into, there was an agenda for that meeting already. And sometimes the agenda might be a pretty straightforward, you know, it's our weekly meeting with this supplier and each week we have the same conversation. That's fine, but there was an agenda in the meeting. Sometimes it was, we need to make a decision about X, but they were crystal clear for themselves that in this meeting, my role is to either make a decision, whatever, i.e. they were focused on that meeting, which is why they were 15 minutes, 25 or 50, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't need to have a 50-minute meeting if the thing could be done in five minutes, right? So obsessed with the diary. And the evening time, what we noticed was they, had, they were triggered to do something in the evening. They all had an evening reflective practice. Some of them did it while they walked home. Some of them did it in the car. Some of them dictated their own answers to themselves in the car. Some of them did a handwriting in, in a journal. But the reflective process always was, how did I go today versus my objectives? Who did I let down? Or and this is the question that came up most. How was I the blocker today? And that's the question that we found to be the most transformative from a leadership. How have I blocked this organization or this team or this person today? The richness of that from a coaching psychology framework. Wow. Making meaning in the day, playing back what worked, and then the psychological detachment to transition, that space between work and home. Massive. I interviewed a lady of of one of the groups. um, She's in Auckland. And she said to me, you know, I walk home every evening. It's typically a 50 or so minute uh, walk. And I you know, use that for my reflecting pace. And so when I walk in the door, I'm finished. I'm, my family's there. The days that I have a really hard day at work, I take the long route home. It's an hour and a half walk. And therefore, I'm taking longer to process it. And when I walk in the door, I'm ready to go. I'd love you to do a follow-up interview with that lady. What has she done after working from home? Because I think that's where a lot of people have lost that transition. Yeah, wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. What was also interesting you know, about that group, we had six out of the 40, all of them women, all wake up somewhere between two and three in the morning. And they'd wake up with an idea or concern. They'd, they'd turn over in the bed, turn on the, bed, the uh, side bed light, make a quick note in the notebook, go back to sleep. Well, from a sleep practice, Dr. Tom Buckley would say that is very good management because you're writing it down. Uh, if you're not having downtime, reflective practice during the day, so parasympathetic activation and getting out of beta into going alpha, then often those thoughts run at night and that's where the person is staring at the roof and it's the train, the GAN from Adelaide to Darwin, 50, 60 carriages long and they can't get to sleep. Yeah, all these are high, are aligned with high performance coaching psychology frameworks. So um, the curious part of me, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you keep going, please, is this nature or nurture? Did these people work these out intuitively or did they have coaching? What became obvious over the time, because don't, don't forget, we, we recorded this every day, seven days a week uh, for four weeks. What became obvious is they didn't necessarily stick to all the habits rigidly every single day. And we did interviews afterwards and what they all said to us. Now, granted, the mere fact of an intervention, the mere fact of being you know, watched and then interviewed 
raises their own awareness of what their habits are naturally, right? So there's a bit of a placebo effect in the sense that everyone knows that they're being now watched. But what they said to us was they notice themselves that the days they don't stick to those rituals or habits, they are less effective. And they have learned over time that these, this for each of them, they have their own set of rituals or habits that if they don't stick to that, their overall efficacy drops. It may not be straight away, but over time it does. Some of the ones that they shared with us in terms of the habits that they know that if they don't keep up, their efficacy drops very quickly. One is lack of exercise. So the physical movements of all of these folks exercise um, at least uh, every second day, some of them every single day. Now, exercise might be as simple as a walk to and from work, and that's an hour each way, a good amount of exercise, but all of them put exercise as being a core part of their self-management. The second thing that they was, they had identified for them, and this is what I find profound, and this is really important for business owners, they have identified for them, their time is finite. So therefore, I'm choosing to be in this leadership role, whatever that role was, and I'm choosing to be here. So therefore, I'm making choices about my time. I am choosing to spend time in particular places. I am making a choice as to who I want to spend my time with. They had all recognized that I could have many, many friends or associates. I haven't got the capacity to spread myself that thing. So they had actively chosen my family are most important. So therefore, when I go home, I am home. Hence the reflection piece on the way home. And for all of them, they said to us, which we were very surprised at, I have a small core group of friends and they are my friends. I don't need more than that. And I certainly haven't got the time to be their friend to, to a bigger group. I very purposeful around my leadership role is really important to me. My time is finite. If I'm to maximize me, I can't have that many distractions. Here are the core people I want to spend my time with. And I think that sense of purpose and the sense of high performance, you're right, is extraordinarily effective. From a leadership perspective compared to, let's say, a, an athlete, they question around how am I the blocker and how, how can I be the enabler? That was the most powerful question of all. If you look at those four or five habits and then the two not to do, can you play that back as a statement? And if our listeners did those five or six things every day, that would set them up for high performance. So give us a summary. Starting point always is number one is get a clear picture for yourself. Why are you doing this business? Or as a founder, why am I setting this up? And what kind of leader does the business need? Not what leader do I want to be? What kind of leader does the business need? That's question number one. That sets an external sense of purpose and, and, and a, an attraction for where I need to be. Second is, how do I set up a daily practice of priming myself in the morning? It takes no more than 10 minutes. And an evening reflection that takes no more than 10 minutes on how I've gone. That's the practice. Third one is, how do I get my body in such a way that it's primed to do its role? So nutrition, exercise, everything that you have on Strive Stronger and in your books. And fourth, how do I have a small cadre of people around me that I can truly trust who will give me feedback, but also a cadre of people who are my friends and that's the folks who nourish me. Mm. Get those right, you do well. Hey, it's Andrew, and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to listen to the full episode or some of our other shows, you can find the Strive Stronger podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. We have plenty more content covering all things high performance with world-class experts from a diverse range of fields. And if you would like to support the Strive Stronger podcast, subscribe and leave a comment and rating as we love the feedback.